We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. This podcast episode is brought to you by Uplevel, the app that's redesigning the world for women. Head over to uplevel.com, that's U-P-L-E-V-Y-L.com, to join the Uplevel network and learn how to accelerate your life professionally, personally, and financially. Apply now and get access to highly curated, female-focused, and ad-free content. Membership required. Download the Uplevel app on the App Store today. I am so excited for you to hear this episode featuring Bianca Alexander, who is the show attorney for The Kelly Clarkson Show, as well as the producer and host for the TV show called Conscious Living. I had such a great time with Bianca. We covered so many topics. Bianca shared her journey, including why she tried sabotaging her LSAT score and why she eventually decided to go into her first original passion, the world of entertainment. Bianca spoke about how life surprises you in ways you can't predict, the importance of conscious living, and what inspired her TV show, Conscious Living. She also spoke about how we're all enough, the challenges of being a woman of color, even when married to a white man, and experiencing discrimination in her day-to-day life. She also spoke about approaching challenges as a growing experience, how she ended up as the show attorney for The Kelly Clarkson Show, and how the universe guides things as we never know what life is going to bring. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. I can't wait for you to learn a lot and be inspired. As a child, I was sassy and precocious and um, scrawny, uh, loved to perform, loved to talk. I was one of those kids that, um, you know, Language was always something very, very important to me because when you speak different languages, you get to meet people of all different cultures. And I love, I love people. And so when I uh, interviewed for the little, you know, private school that I went to when I was in nursery school, this is what my mom tells me. I don't remember. They asked me to count from one to ten, and I did it in Spanish. So I've always <laughs> kind of been like uh, a little avant-garde. And um, I have to show you. I'm going to run and show you a picture of me when I was a little girl. One second. Sure. <laughs> this this is who I was as a child. There you go. This tells you everything you need to know about me. <laughs> oh, wow, so cute. <laughs> I love that's, it. That's me being a flapper uh, at the age of six years old, five years old. <laughs> Oh my gosh, precious. That's that's horrible. Yeah, personality. You could see. Yes, it was always like there was always music, there was always a performance, there was dancing, there was talking. And I remember my mom often, you know, telling me, like, Shh, okay, we've got to like be quiet sometimes, you know. And I was like, what? I want to talk and dance and perform. So I was always a silly little, little kid. Right, right. Did you have a dream of performing and entering the entertainment industry as a kid? 
Yeah, it's funny when I was little, it's funny you asked this question because um, when I was little, my brother and I actually had a little talk show. Well, he was like the announcer and I was the host that he would, in, he would like introduce me and I would just talk and sing. It was like a variety show, <laughs> but it was like a one woman variety show. And we <laughs> record it, we recorded them and I, I got to find those tapes at some point. But I always, I just liked performing. I liked being creative. I always had arts and crafts projects going. Um, in the summers, you know, it's like we lived in a neighborhood where there weren't a lot, a lot of kids uh, um, that were my age. And so it's like, I ended up playing by myself a lot and just, I would write little, little plays and, you know, I'd set up like a fake store and like a boutique and I would like label every single thing in my room and put a price tag and then like beg people to come when they walked by my bedroom, like come shop in my store. So I was always like, <laughs> creating little worlds, little mini worlds, just to entertain myself. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I always liked sports. I liked running and, you know, I danced in dance class, ballet and tap and jazz. And you know, I always like to have a lot of different things going on. Right. Right. It sounds like that. That's so cool. So what sort of upbringing did you have? Did your parents um, like encourage this? Yeah, they always, um, I think, wanted me to have like a well sort of varied sort of lifestyle and to be well-rounded um, and also to be entertained because I got bored really easily. And I think it was probably irritating for them to like always <laughs> think of like fun things to do. So like, okay, let's put her in dance class. It's, you know, that's a couple hours of time that we don't have to worry <laughs> about. Um, and I think, you know, I always felt supported in my creativity. I think they, my parents were always a little bit amused by me. Um, which was fun. Um, but, you know, in terms of making it a professional career, it was never something that I felt like they're like, oh, yes, go be a professional TV host, go be a professional producer. These were not sort of um, options, I think, that they they themselves knew had, you know, that they themselves had or even knew of. Um, and so it wasn't something that they thought was kind of like a legitimate um, career pursuit. So that was always kind of a rub because I'm like, God, I feel like I'm an artist. Like, I really feel like I really am. And yet it was like, okay, lawyer, doctor, right? Lawyer, lawyer doctor, engineer. And it's kind of like, I don't know how to do that, but, but okay, if this, is, if this is all that's available, I guess I'll go to law school. And so that's that kind of really funny thing, how destiny works. It kind of opened up a career path, you know, that has allowed me to be able to be creative and artistic at the same time. So it, it kind of came together. They were right in the end. I, I, I had my doubts for a while there. I was like, am I ever gonna like do something that's expressive? You know, I have a lot to say and I wanna talk to people and um, you know, so things often work out in, in strange ways when you, you don't really know how the journey of life is gonna, where it's gonna take you and where it's gonna land. You just have to like, you know, ride the journey and then find out. So that's pretty much what I'm still doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all still doing that for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you went to law school. Did you feel like your dream was crushed at the time or like, how did you feel yeah. about it? Yeah, it was interesting. When I went to law school at the time, I, um, I also love fashion. I love clothes and I'm really big into like eco fashion, vintage and thrifting and just like, you know, wearing jewelry with like energy vibrations and things that allow you to express yourself in like your true essence, right? Um, in an authentic way. Um, so I went to, in the summers in college, I, um, in addition to being a language major, I majored in Spanish and French language and literature. I took a semester abroad to Paris, France, which is like still to this day, one of my just most 
favorite places in the world, just for the culture, the food, the, the language, the love of language, love of art, love of self-expression. Um, and, and then in the summers, I worked as an assistant buyer in training for um, a big you know, fashion brand. And so thinking with the, in my mind, okay, I'm going to become a buyer. I'll become a fashion buyer. Thinking that that would be like the kind of artistic, like something that's an acceptable path into something creative. And um, when I was in my last year of college, I, um, you know, I went to a very conservative Ivy League school where it was like, again, you know, working on Wall Street, getting your MBA, being a doctor, being a lawyer were pretty much the, the only options that were celebrated, the only options that were really talked about. Um, so it kind of fit my parents, you know, my parental upbringing. And so, um, you know, I, I applied to law school. I got into law school, which I was surprised because I barely studied for the LSATs. I was kind of like trying to sabotage it. I'll be like, a little, <laughs> like if I, my score is like low enough, I won't get in. And then that's into that. And, and I got in. And so it was kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go to law school. And it was this moment where I was like, well, I could go and become an assistant buyer working for this fashion brand or go to law school. And so I was really like, like mom and dad, I really, I feel like this is what I need to do. And they really like gave me the full court press. Like if you don't go to law school, you're going to regret it. You, you know, just think in three years, you'll be able to make so much more money. You'll be so much more established. Like who knows, we may not be able to help you. We can help you now to go through law school. We'll get you an apartment. We'll get you a car. It was like this whole like push, like whatever it takes to go to law school, don't go this other route. And so I caved, you know, I was just thinking, well, gosh, if they're not going to help me, you know, right. not knowing that they're going to help me regardless, right? It was like really smart of them to do that. Um, <laughs> and so I went to law school and, they, and like pretty much for the very beginning, I was just kind of like, oh my God, this is so boring. This is so not me. This is so, you know, different from like what I'd like to be doing. Um, but I, my mom just kept saying, just, just keep going, just graduate. Like once you have that degree, you can do anything you want to do with it, like just finish. And, and I'm glad that I, I did. Um, and it's funny, like after, you know, you know, working in the entertainment industry, you know, working first in, you know, sort of defense contracting in Washington, DC and doing a lot of like mergers and acquisitions, um, you know, for companies that like sold tanks and sold like military ammunition in, in warfare. Like that was like my first big, like sexy corporate job um, <laughs> after working at a law firm. And it was kind of like, is this why God put me to law school? Like, I really think there's, I think there's something bigger I'm supposed to do with this. Um, so shortly after that, I uh, moved to California. That was like my big leap into the entertainment industry to work at Paramount Studios in the TV side. So that was kind of like, ooh, this is different. And I worked and worked and stayed there for a few years. And then still just kind of like, gosh, I don't know if like just being a corporate lawyer is all I'm here to do. I think there's some other things. So I walked away and um, started producing my own content. I started hosting my own shows, working um, with networks like Lifetime and TV One and, you know, really sort of stepping into the creative artistic expression that I always wanted. Um, but it was the the law degree in my legal background that got me to LA in the first place. So it's, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, they kind of have, have coexisted in an interesting way. And right now it seems that that's the case as well. It's like, here I am show attorney for Kelly Clarkson. And also, you know, which is super creative. The show is amazing. It's super creative. It's musical. It's Kelly. It's inspiring. It's very mindful oriented, but also at the same time producing my television show, Conscious Living on PBS. So it's it's an interesting moment in my life where it's like it's like a full 
you know, circle full 360 where it's like, okay, I'm never going to do corporate law again. And it's like, here I am doing that. And it's like, I thought that I had to pick one, right? I thought it had to be one or the other, and now I'm doing both. So we'll see. We'll see if, if that continues to be the case. Right. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> it's so cool seeing when things come full circle like that. Oh my gosh. Cause you, it's like, you know, I say never say never. Cause you always think it's like, well, things have to look this, this way, but not that way. And we all think we know like how things need to be all of our ideals and all of our standards about what life is and what life isn't, what's right, what's wrong in terms of like the path to success. Right. And there is no straight line. It's always morphing because you're changing, we're evolving and just being open, I think was, you know, has continued to be a hard thing for me to not say it's this or that, it's everything. And knowing that, you know, the universe has like a miraculous way of bringing you to your destiny, you know, regardless of what you do, it's like, you can't make a wrong choice, right? It's like, you're always going to somehow come back to what it is that you're here to do. And so that's something that it's taken me a long time to begin to accept that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's like the flow of life, you know? Yes, it is. It oh is. my gosh. That, that, that's such a great lesson for sure. Um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and I also, yeah, I'm curious to know, so how did you um, get into the producing world? Because like, actually logistically, how did you do it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what can I say? I mean, I think it's like, having a vision, you know, I remember just watching the Today Show every morning and, and, you know, it's like, well, this is the news, but yet I'm feeling that there's so many pieces of information about like how to be happy, how to be whole, what to eat. You know, um, at the time I was beginning to go vegetarian. I had just begun meditating. I met my husband, who's a lifelong environmentalist from San Francisco, was always very, you know, sort of up to date on all of the holistic modalities from acupuncture and colonics to, you know, energy healing and energy work and uh, all kinds of like muscle testing to determine, you know, where the body is in need of more nutrients and all the things that, you know, you don't typically get from mainstream doctors. And you certainly don't see or learn about when you turn on the news. And I certainly wasn't when I turned on the Today Show. So it's kind of like, you know, I turn on the news, I turn on the Today Show, but I'm feeling empty after I'm watching because it's like, first of all, if it bleeds, it leads, it's negative, right? The, the, the news is typically designed to trigger our fears so that we'll keep watching, right? But if you look at the news from one day to the next, it's not very different. Or, you know, I mean, even one year to the next, right? It's like, you're just looking at the same thing and we're appeasing our fears by turning the news and feeling yeah. like, the illusion of being in control when none of us are in control. So, um, you know, instead of complaining about the problem, I was like, well, why don't we be a part of the solution and create media that actually is going to inspire people that will educate them about how to take better care of their bodies, take better care of the planet and give us something to be hopeful for. And so that's where I really decided to put my production hat on. I had done some, you know, smaller, low level production when I was at Paramount, just reading scripts and making connections and stuff like that and packaging projects, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it wasn't until I really met my husband and I was like, hey, there's a whole other universe of information and positive news that is not there. And why don't we be part of the solution? And that's when we started, um, you know, producing our own content. I was still hosting for a lifetime and hosting for a couple of networks at the time. And so I knew that I could, you know, I knew I had the chops on camera. I knew that I enjoyed it. I knew that I felt natural in that, in that sort of arena, but I wanted to really start owning my own projects and sort of being my own director and my own executive producer, as opposed to always taking 
direction from news producers that like knew nothing about going vegan. They knew nothing about meditation, didn't care, didn't think it was relevant, didn't think that viewers care, you know, were interested in that. It's kind of like, I'm a viewer, I'm interested in it. And I know a lot of other people who are. So why am I waiting on you to like, give me my break? Like, I'm just going to give myself a break. And, you know, having that vision and believing, as we talked about before in our chat, just believing in yourself inside of a, a world where people maybe don't understand you or don't share your vision. Um, and then being willing to put the hard work in and roll your sleeves up and, you know, get to work and start creating something, which is, which is a gargantuan task. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of perseverance. Um, and I think, you know, that the journey is what's, what's landed me here and I'm still on it. You know, we're still working hard. We're still, you know, producing our, uh, second season on PBS we have of, of the show Conscious Living, which is, you know, a mindful lifestyle show about the latest and greatest ways to be a more mindful human. It's a mindful lifestyle travel show. So we travel the globe um, looking for the best vegan food, the best eco fashion. We stay at green eco-friendly hotels. Um, you know, we, we practice holistic healing and learn from some of the best um, you know, everything from detox yoga retreats to natural cures to breast cancer. Um, and, um, you know, for us, the journey is really our own journey of trying to learn more and, and do better, which I think we all can do. So it's an, it's an endless journey. It will never end. But um, the, the, the show is, is, is now on PBS and we're producing our next season, continuing to travel. We offset the carbon uh, for all of our travels because, you know, air travel is one of the biggest, you know, polluters to the planet. Um, and, you know, we try to just do our part by inspiring others, um, you know, shining a light on some of those people that you don't see on mainstream TV who are, who are doing some really good things and finding their own, um, path to, to health and well-being. So that's, it's a beautiful, beautiful journey, the life that kind of brings you to exactly what you're, you're meant to be doing. And it often surprises you in ways that you could never predict. And I definitely, you know, did not envision myself doing this. The, the way that I'm doing it. Um, but it, 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 I think it's better than anything I could have imagined. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow. So yeah. did you have to like, so you came up with the idea, obviously, and you wanted to, to bring this onto t TV. Mm -hmm. um, so the way that it works, like, did, did you have to like pitch it to a network? Yeah. I mean, it's like so many layers. I mean, we've been on so many platforms when we first pitched the show on mainstream, um, you know, TV to, to producers in Hollywood, many of them were just like, oh, we don't think mainstream TV is really, they're not going to get it. They're never going to watch it. You know, sustainability, it's just, it's just not mainstream enough. It's not something that's sexy. And I was just like, wow, you really uh, are inspiring me to, to prove you wrong. And that's exactly what we did. You know, it's just, okay, well, if, if you as a producer in Hollywood who are, you know, supposed to be the most creative most innovative people. If you don't have a vision for the fact that our planet is clearly in peril, our bodies are in peril, our minds are in peril, our health is in peril, we have species in peril. Like if there isn't anything more urgent and more important than sustainability and mindfulness, just for our mental well-being, and we see in these past few years of the pandemic, the toll, the PTSD that we're all like suffering you know, is a result of sort of the collective angst, the collective anxiety and sort of a lack of a deeper sense of meaning. And because we're so busy in this material world, like constantly trying to get the next thing, trying to, you know, reach the next milestone, trying to make the next million, trying to get the next 100,000 followers. We're always seeking outward. 
and you know, that is a big piece of, of Western culture and, you know, the American dream, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's like, but the, the cost is the price is our well-being. You know, the cost is our relationships, the cost is our planet, like how much consumption, you know, that's not filling our empty souls, right? It's like yeah. consumption isn't like making us happier. It just makes us want more. And, you know, we've got storage units filled with crap and homeless people on the streets with nowhere to live. It's like, we could, you know, the fastest growing, one of the fastest growing industries in the United States is storage units. It's a booming business because we have so much stuff and nowhere to put it, but we keep buying more stuff because there's this illusion that we're not enough. So we think if we get more, then we can fill that empty void from the outside in, right? So it's like mindfulness, well-being, meditation, you know, practices that help us to connect to like our soul, to help us connect to like our truth that's beyond sort of, you know, the stuff that we acquire, you know, we're not our stuff. Um, and that remind us that we are enough, like fundamentally, inherently, like that to me is that's, that's headlining news. Like that's, that's changing ourselves from the inside out. And that's giving us all, I think, a reason to be hopeful and a reason to, um, you know, to just reshape the way that we think of our, our world and, and our place in it. And so for me, that's what conscious living is all about. And it's about my journey. It's something I have to do and I struggle with every single day, but the practice and that path is there. So I can always come back to it. And I feel like, you know, that's what's given conscious living its longevity is the fact that we're all looking for a better way. And we want to see yeah. examples and we want to see, you know, you know, it, it, sort of role models of people who are at least on the path and doing their stumbling best. And there's a lot of stumbles um, to, you know, get uh, access to a different, you know, perhaps happier, healthier, more, you know, more sustainable way to exist on the planet and in our communities. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love that you're, um, you know, into all those. It's so funny because I I think that, um, yeah, I think the fact is that the world used to be more natural and organic and we used to like the colonics thing like wasn't that from the egyptians you know what i mean like these things go way back organic food like we created all these yeah you know i guess challenges and like yes extraneous things that are unnecessary and harmful um and now we're kind of like going back to to, to our origins and to figure out like what's actually uh, right. what actually works and and being conscious just like conscious living tv like yeah exactly <laughs> we're trying i mean it's like you know in many ways we're the least conscious people that we know and that's why we're producing the show because it forces us to like be more mindful and and we're so inspired by the the people that we feature on our show and like what they're doing it makes us want to you know, do more. Um, and we very much feel like so connected to our viewers because we're all on the journey. We're all trying to do better. We all want to be happy. We all want to be less materialistic. I want to use less plastic, right? I don't want to drink from straws anymore. Like all of these things, right? You know, and every little step that we take together and supporting each other, it's like, you're trying that, I'm trying that. Okay, well, I'm really into thrifting right now. Hopefully that will save, you know, a poor sweatshop worker from having to work her fingers down to the bones that I can buy a t-shirt for five bucks. Why don't I just go to Goodwill and get another one, right? You know, and it's like, wash it and wear it, right? And it's like, oh, we saved our landfills, right? It's like, I'm not gonna have another shirt similar to what anybody else is wearing, you know, and the planet will hopefully breathe a little, little better. So, it, you know, if we can make this journey fun and have a good time and do that together, you know, it's like, well, who, who isn't, at least open to, to willing to try to think a little differently. And that's really what conscious living is about. It's just inspiring people to 
you know, to think a little bit more mindfully about the choices they're making and not so sort of self-centered, like I need more, I need this, I need this. It's like, you know, there are many saints that say, it's like, instead of like St. Francis prayer, it's one of my favorites, like seek not to, you know, be consoled, seek to console, you know, to console and serve others. Seek not to be understood, seek to understand. And, you know, when you have your palm out, you know, giving, right? It's open so the universe can continue to bless. It's like when we are selfish, like focusing on ourselves and what we need and what we want, it's like your hand is closed. Like the universe can't, can't bless you in that way. And so I think we've been so blessed just by this journey of conscious living, which in many ways has just been our service, you know, to the world um, because it's helped us to take a closer look at ourselves along the way too. So it's, it's definitely been a, it's been a fascinating journey. And, you know, although the Hollywood producers initially were like, oh, this will never go. We decided we were going to, we bought our own MacBook Pros. We taught ourselves how to shoot, how to edit and found platforms starting out first with YouTube was our very first platform many, many years ago. And we produced just a little, little web show, tiny little, you know, five minute thing. And then with each year that passed, there were new opportunities to be on different platforms. We were on the taxi cabs, you know, the little TV screens and taxi cabs. We were on those shows. Um, we were on AOL um, and, uh, you know, eventually found interesting opportunities and partnerships, things that just kind of came to us to expand the reach of the show. Um, we did a segment uh, on a show in Chicago on Fox called The Soul of Green, which was basically like conscious living in communities of color. And um, I won an Emmy for that show. So that was awesome. Yes, my very first Emmy. Congratulations. Thank you. And then um, we went on to uh, the Amazon Prime platform, which launched, you know, several years back. And um, the first three seasons of the show were on Amazon Prime. So the entire thing has been self-produced. And instead of waiting for like someone else to like give it to us or green light us or figure it out, it's like, we produced the show ourselves and then delivered it and distributed it um, with the platforms that are there. And, you know, the beautiful thing that television has evolved so much from the time that when we first started, it's no longer about watching your favorite show at the same time every week. You watch it when you want to watch it, right? It's like, there's so much power in the consumer because of streaming. And when we first told people, it's like, well, you can watch the show online. They were like, what channel? I'm like, do you have an internet connection? And people just couldn't they just couldn't grasp that. I mean, and now look at the world, everything is being streamed. So we really made a bet on our own content. We made a bet on consumers wanting to watch their programming at the time they wanna watch it, the way they wanna watch it with different types of content that you're gonna see you know, even now on mainstream TV where they have the power of choice to watch the programs that inspire them. Pitch it to someone and then someone has to, give you the power to tell your story. Instead, for us, we did it the other way. It's like, we're gonna give ourselves the power and learn how to produce, we learned how to edit, you know, and we just brought our heart and soul and our passion to the table and gave ourselves our own platform and just continue to persevere and build and build and build. And it just very organically got to a point where here we are now, um, you know, now producing a 30 minute show on PBS with more to come, right? So um, that's that was our journey, that was our path, um, you know, but there is no, there's no linear path. There's no linear way to do it. There's no right way to do it. You know, that was, the way that worked for us um, is it gave us the power to tell a story that is not being told in mainstream media. And it's like, you go to mainstream producers and it's like, oh, hey, can, you know, tell me how to do this. And they're like, what is, 
what is veganism? Like, I don't get it. You know, and it's like alternative health. Like, why don't you just, you know, do chemo like everyone else? It's like, I, I can't have this conversation. It's like, there's a certain point where I would go um, just as part of the journey on different news shows as a conscious living expert and just giving people tips on, you know, fun things they can do. Like the first segments that I shared uh, like on NBC and ABC affiliates across the country was, you know, um, natural alternatives to your favorite personal care products, right? So cosmetics, you as a entrepreneur and natural cosmetics is such a wonderful thing that this world needs. There wasn't as much of that, you know, when we were first launching the show back in, I guess, 2007. Um, and so, you know, we showed people the, you know, downside of like the parabens and the sulfates and the aluminum and how the deodorants are linked to breast cancer and you know, all of the sort of neurological diseases that come from like all of the gunk, you know, that we're putting on our skin, which is the largest, most absorbent organ in our bodies. And we give them alternatives with some of our favorite, you know, eco-friendly, natural, non-toxic, organic, you know, products. So we would come on and do many of those segments, you know, every week. And after a while, it's like the producers were just like, well, we just don't like, we, we don't get it. I mean, I think one of the catalysts to like really full-time take our content and, and really own the production and own that we are the ones that need to produce the show and no one else is going to do it was I think one of the segments I was doing, I think it was a holiday segment. It was like non-toxic or eco-friendly gift ideas for the holidays, something like that. And we got bumped for Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so Hulk Hogan could come on. It was just like, okay, he's a bigger star, but like, how is he like healing? You know, good. No, no harm against Hulk Hogan. Love him. He's a great wrestler, but it was just kind of like, this is the mainstream consciousness is why we're unhealthy, why we're unhappy. We just want to see people pound each other, right? We'd rather see people pound each other, right? Than like actually heal our bodies, heal our mind. The thing that we're all so desperate to do, that's why people, you know, there's so much depression and so much suicide and so much addiction and alcohol and people have to smoke weed in order to like feel better, right? Instead of like putting those things down and, and you know, making a 180 degree shift which, you know, this time of year is a great time to do that, to say, okay, let me really, you know, do the hard work. It's painful work to look inside and like, you know, take a look and see if there's things that need to be, you know, corrected or refined. Um, and so we said, okay, I'm not going to put our fate and the fate of conscious living in the hands of a, you know, a, a news TV producer who's just, you know, trying to get headlines and follow the, if it bleeds, it leads, right? <laughs> it's like the robbers, the murderies, the killings, you know, everything about a pandemic, everything negative is like what, if you notice, that's what leads the yeah. headline. So it's like, I can't even be mad at them. I can't even be mad at, you know, that sort of approach because that's their job. That's what mainstream news is it currently sort of in its current format is designed to do. So stop complaining about the problem, be a part of the solution. And, and so we, we took our content back and owned the process and haven't looked back since. That's awesome. That's so cool that you're yeah. on PBS also. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, the time is now, I think we all know more than anything with global warming and, you know, the rates of disease and cancer and, you know, heart disease and depression and anxiety. It's like, we need a different path, like now more than ever. And I think that's why this, the show has been so successful. And also because we're traveling. So we get to show people places that they haven't seen in cultures and sort of give them, you know, the access to, you know, mindfulness and veganism is, is great when you're stateside, but it's like some people think, well, it's so hard when you travel. Isn't it so hard? And it's like, this show is really proving to people how easy it is. Like, it's so much easier. It's the, the, the hardest thing is just 
that slight subtle shift in the mindset. If you're willing to just open your mind and think about a different way of doing things and just experiment with what makes you actually feel good and letting go of kind of the old ways, you know, and trying something new, like people are amazed. And so that for us, it's like, if you do it, you, you travel, but it's super easy to do it at home. Yeah. Yeah. And also I love your approach that it's such a wide, it's such a wide approach really that um, people could, you know, start working on one thing and they don't have to necessarily like turn their whole life over to be fully conscious. I mean, that would be really nice, but most of us are not going to do yeah. that. So just to, yeah. you know, to choose a couple of things that you, that uh, topics that you brought out and, and to work on that, that's just so incredible. And yeah. I mean, it's like little tiny steps, yeah. right? It's like, we think, I have to change my whole life. I have to go on like a 10 day detox. I have to, and you can do a detox. It's like some of my favorite detoxes. We actually have a detox book called the conscious living 10 day detox on Amazon that you can download um, and read and follow along. It's just like, eat as much as you want. Like my very first vegan detox, it was like, it was a vegan raw detox for 30 days. And I was vegetarian. I'd been vegetarian for years, had never gone vegan, wanted to go vegan. and the beautiful thing that gave me access to like feeling like I can take that step is like eat as much as you want, whatever you want. Okay. As long as it's raw and vegan. I was like, okay, for 30 days. And that's exactly what I did. And like when I knew that I could go into the refrigerator at midnight and like eat a slice of raw vegan cheesecake, strawberry cheesecake, right? Just knowing that I could do it. I think I did it once, right? But it's like, look, I'm having cheesecake at midnight. Huh? You know, it like freed me to like take the pressure off yes. of you know, not being willing to really listen to how my body feels. And also because it's like, you're eating food without the dairy, without the animal, without the vibration of, you know, the death of the animal when it's killed. It's like, no matter how humanely that animal's raised, it's like, we're consuming the vibration of fear and suffering and death that's in the animal's flesh. It's going into our bodies. It's going into our consciousness. And we wonder why we're anxious. <laughs> we wonder why we're afraid. It's like, how did the animal feel at the time that it was slaughtered? It, right. It may have been loved up until that moment, but it's like, imagine if someone came and just, you know, here comes a hatchet, boom. Uh, right, right. That's what we're eating. And we're all walking around like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, totally. You know, so, um, so anyway, so when I first felt my body without that in it for those 30 days, even though I was eating cheesecake at midnight, it was raw vegan cheesecake. And it was like a light bulb went on the clarity, you know, my meditations were deeper. My little pooch went away. I still have one, but it's smaller. <laughs> you know, all of the little things that I've been like struggling so hard. How many setups can I do? And it's like, oh, just stop eating dairy. Oh, right. It's like this is easier than I thought. Right. And no animals are harmed. Great. You know, so again, it's the little steps. And look, not everybody's gonna do that. That's not for everyone. Um, but whatever, whatever change you may want to make, it's possible if you're willing to to take one little step in the direction and just see how your body feels and maybe take the next step, you know? The real change doesn't happen overnight and you can't like change your whole life in a day, you know? You have to be patient. And that's, I think, one of the hardest things. And I think my meditation practice, my spiritual practice has given me access to like being willing to just be patient and just, you know, come and sit every day, you know? And some days are gonna be worse than others, right? But you still come back, right? There's something about that discipline and that willingness to persevere that I think tracks every part of my life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Let's, let's go back for a minute. I want to talk about you. Um, and I, we spoke about this before for a few minutes about believing in yourself and some challenges that you've had to overcome along your yes. journey. 
oh my gosh, it's um, what a journey. You know, it's like as a, as a woman, of, as a woman, period, right? I mean, this is all about women's empowerment. As a woman, you know, still to this day, we're being paid a fraction of the money that men are being paid for doing the exact same job, right? So it's like, we walk into a room and it's like the odds are already stacked against us, right? In terms of just statistically what you're going to be paid to do the very same job, the amount of respect you're going to get to do the very same job. You know, women run for office, women in the boardroom, it's like always like, oh, how pretty is she? How nice is she? These are not the questions they're asking men, right? Right? How smart is he? How competent is he? How much of a leader is he? How assertive is he? And we still are sort of operating as a society under those same biases, right? So, you know, add to that being a woman of color, right? America has a huge, huge history, a huge pain body with slavery. I'm the descendant of slaves. You know, my great, great grandmother was a slave, right? She was a, a, per, a personal property of a, a, another human being, right? Being demanded to work and work and work for no money, right? So it's like living inside of a country where that to this day has never publicly been apologized for, right? We've apologized for so many other abuses in so many other cultures in other parts of the world. Not once has there been a governmental apology that says, hey, America is sorry for slavery. We're sorry that happened, right? you know, and we wanna make it right. So I think there's still a lot of sort of bias and a lot of um, suppressed sort of stress for all races, for both black people and white people for being on the other side of that. You know, I'm married to a white man and it's like the guilt on that side is also very strong. And it kind of keeps like these things that we don't speak about, you know, that is so taboo or that we feel ashamed of or we don't want to trigger people or we don't want to upset anyone. Like these are the things that we carry around. And so for me as a black woman moving through the world, moving through the world of media, which is still a predominantly white male driven world, politics is still driven by white men. These are the majority of the CEOs, the majority of the legislators in our country right now are white men. This is the majority, right? Yeah. Like women are coming up. We're seeing many more women in office, more women CEOs, thank gosh. But it's like, to this day, I'm still the minority as a woman and a person of color. And so why is that? Like there's certain thought patterns, there's certain biases, there's certain levels of you know institutional discrimination that are still prevalent that are dictating, you know, what my opportunities are, dictating just how people view me the minute I walk into a room, like all these biases are going through people's, people's, people's minds. And so, and so I think, you know, for, for me and, um, you know, living in this country and being in this body to walk into the media industry, to walk into any room with power players, like requires me to have a very deep sense of self-awareness, right? Oftentimes I'm the only person of color in the room, right? And so it's like, I can go into like immediate self-consciousness and low self-esteem and like, oh gosh, I'm the one that nobody likes. And oh, I don't fulfill the European beauty standard and I'm on television. Like my hair isn't straight and relaxed and my skin is dark. Oh, nobody likes me, right? I mean, it's like, those things are like right there. Cause it's like how many generations of my ancestors felt that right yeah. and so it's like I've had to dig deep and like find out who I am outside of that I've had to like uncover a part of myself that cannot be um you know sort of validated um uh, celebrated uh 
or denigrated, right? Either for the positive or the negative by outside values. And that's a, that's a difficult thing as, as a woman, as a human being, we're social beings. We want to be liked, we want to be seen, we want to be understood. But, you know, I felt in many situations that if I wasn't able to like dig deep and find that inside of myself to go into my meditation and like connect to like, why am I here on the planet? Like, what is it that God has me here to do? Like, what are my special gifts that are going to be very different from yours and everybody else, right? To really honor and acknowledge myself as I've dug deep and had to do that. And I think because of my black skin and being a woman, I've had to probably do more of that work than maybe some white women, right? Just because they weren't, you know, from the minute you were seen, okay, you shouldn't be here. Or how did you get here? You don't deserve to be, you know, there's sort of an entree. I mean, even I'd say when my husband, Michael and I walk down the street, it's like sometimes when we come into a restaurant, if I'm behind him, people will, you know, he'll walk in and it's like, oh, come in, you're welcome. That's what do you need? And it's like, they won't know we're together. And I come in, it's like sometimes a very different kind of like, and can I help you? Right. And it's like, so seeing that discrimination in real time, it's like, okay, I can't become an angry person because that doesn't serve anything. So, well, let me take a look at like, what's in my heart. You know, how can I be more loving in my heart? How can I be more self-accepting in my own heart? And as I've done that, done that, you know, from the time I was little, you know, that picture I showed you, you know, when I was five years old, five years old, I was the best dancer in the, in the class, right? The little dance recital and the only black person in the class, right? And so I kept being pushed to the back row. You know, it's like, oh, we want the pretty girls in front. It's like, I'm pretty, like the only difference between me and them is that their skin is white and mine's black. Like, you know, these are the things that can like really mess with your head if you let them versus like, wait a minute, okay. We're living in a post-slavery society, <laughs> okay? That has never been identified, that's never been acknowledged, it's never been apologized for. It's like, we're all carrying that in these sick, twisted ways. So I'm not gonna carry that. Like, I'm gonna let you have that. And I'm gonna know that I am just as beautiful and valuable and interesting and unique in all of my unique ways, even if you haven't seen it yet, even if you haven't acknowledged that yet. And so I've had to dig deep from the time I was little to allow myself permission, to give myself permission, because no one else is gonna give it to me, to be who I'm here to be. And so that I think is what's made me, it's actually made me stronger, but for that challenge, I wouldn't have had to dig deep and like discover like an unshakable self-worth, an unshakable self-esteem, an unshakable sense of identity, um, you know, because the, the alternative, and I say the same thing, Oprah Winfrey and many other women of color who've been successful, Kamala, right? It's like there's an aspect of challenge and pressure that was placed on them that was greater. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that, you know, white women or Jewish women or, you know, Native American don't have struggles and don't have problems. As a woman in this patriarchal world, there will be challenges that are greater than, than, than many men will ever face. So, you know, by no means do I, am I trying to sure. sort of rank no, so. had it harder or any, it's not that, but there are certain experiences as a woman of color, given the racial pain body in our country. I mean, what we did to slaves and what we did to the Native Americans, right? It's just like barely like been acknowledged. Like it's just, yeah, it's disgraceful, right? And we've never cleaned that up, right? So it's like, we're all carrying this heavy weight. And because of that, if you can be a person of color or a person of a, of a unique bathroom, <laughs> background, a unique background, you know, whether it's Hindu or Orthodox Jew, you know, that is not sort of the traditional mainstream, what's accepted, right? White, Christian, yeah. you know, blue-eyed, blonde, blah, 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 blah. And they have their issues too, but, you know, 
that forces you to kind of like say, okay, who am I inside of it? Where do I fit in this? And that actually can be used to your advantage if you can, if you choose to step away from like the, the victim, you know, the tendency to go right into poor me, that you know, they're all mad at them and they did this to me and I'm a victim and that whole thing. Instead, looking in and saying, okay, well, there must be a really important mission that I'm here to do. What is that? And so that's been what's motivated me and what's really strengthened me, you know, through all of, you know, my various careers and, you know, creative pursuits. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, did someone help you like cut with your mindset or was it something that you just discovered on your own to get to the place, like to get through this? Yeah. I mean, it's something I would say just my spiritual practice. I mean, you know, going to church and believing in God, believing in the universe, believing in something beyond like the circumstances of this material realm yeah right like we're who's white and who's black and who's a woman who's a man it's like i'm a spiritual being that transcends gender i transcend race i transcend nationality i transcend religion this is just one shell that i'm wearing this lifetime it's like you know i'm an eternal being right right now i decided to to wear the halloween costume being an african-american woman with dark skin and kinky hair right it's like before that, I was a white woman from the South who was probably the worst racist ever, right? So karmically, right, you know, I get to see, oh, what does that feel like, right? And then next lifetime, I'm on to the next. So I think not taking our identity, our race, our religion too seriously, not taking ourselves too seriously is really, I think, an outgrowth of, of really all true religions, right? They all say that we're more than what meets the eye. We're yeah, more than sure. what we can see. And I think my spiritual practice and how I was raised, you know, um, you know, very faith based is what gave me the strength to, to come back to that. But there's really nobody that was like, okay, you go and be who you, you know? Yeah. I mean, I got support from my parents, some mentors here and there, but it was really something that I think I just dug deep. Right. Um, you know, and using the, the, the foundation of my spiritual, you know, path was really, I think what gave me and has continues to give me a sense of freedom beyond, you know, kind of whatever's happening in the world. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I love that. It's such a healthy, it's also such a healthy way to look at life because at the end of the day, when we carry negative emotions or negative thought patterns, like we're the only ones who, who are affected by it. So we're just hurting ourselves. Right. Nobody, but us. Yeah. Yeah. Like being angry and not forgiving people, they say is like drinking poison and expecting that it's going to like kill, hurt somebody else. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like your thoughts can be poison, you know, our thoughts can be poison. And so it's like being very, very mindful, very vigilant about the type of thoughts we're thinking, the type of words we say, the type of judgments we put on ourselves that are like, we're making up or taking on other people's, you know, yeah. unhealthy thinking. It's like, you have to be so vigilant, um, you know, in order to stay emotionally healthy and, and, you know, to stay on course with what you're here to do. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I'm curious to know, like, how did you end up as the, the, the show attorney for the Kelly Clarkson show? <laughs> oh my God. Sometimes I wonder that too. Literally. It was one of those things that just, it was like grace of God. I was not in any way planning on going back to work in corporate America in that setting at all. Like, as I told you, it's like, never say never. As soon as you do, guess what? You know, the universe is going to say, guess what I have for you? It was through a friend of a friend that I worked with at Paramount. Remember I told you that was what first brought yeah. me from DC to LA many, many years ago, who um, just reached out and she was like, hey, would you be interested in a production gig? A friend of a friend is looking for um, 
an attorney uh, and I thought it was something short term. And because this person is someone who I just love and respect so much, I was like, oh, hey, why not? It could be something that I do for a few months, right? You know, some extra cash, help support, keep conscious living going, right? Uh, why not, right? I'm in Hollywood. And so that day she had forwarded my information to another attorney who was um, at the time, I think she was like head of, uh, I think she's still the big lawyer at Warner Brothers who was friends with a big lawyer at NBC and they were each looking to fill different positions. And so she forwarded my resume. Actually, it wasn't resume, just my contact information. She called me and was like, hey, is this something you'd be interested in? Tell me about your background. She kind of like vetted me. And she was a person that I also knew, um, another African-American attorney. They were both African-American attorneys, which is like so wild. Um, and it was just like, hey, you know, um, you know, are you interested in doing production legal? I was like, I've done it. I've been in front of the camera, I've been behind the camera you know, I have a background where I can see both sides. It's like, uh, you know, but I'd rather like have coffee with you. It's like, what do you do? Like, I was trying to like connect and like hang out. And they're like, we need to get your resume. So then the next call I got, I mean, this is all in a matter of like two or three hours, right? So the first text, I think I got at like one o'clock. I talked to the lawyer, the first lawyer at like five. And then I got a call from another NBC lawyer at like six or seven. And he was like, oh, listen, they speak really highly of you. And um, there's a new show called The Kelly Clarkson Show. And that's what we're looking for, an attorney for that. And I was just like, what, excuse me? Like, this isn't just a little production gig. This is like a full-time job, you know? So I was kind of like, whoa, I don't know. You know, it's like, I've got conscious living. I've got other things going. I'm like, ah, you know? Um, and he's like, well, just send me your resume. I was like, I didn't have a resume. He's like, well, just send me what you have and we'll put it together. And I'm thinking, what job do you get where like, someone's like, I'll put your resume together for you. Like, and I submitted and actually applied for this job. I'm sure I never would have gotten it, right? Like I didn't even apply for it. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't want it. That night I hadn't sent the resume. The lawyer called me again. He's like, I haven't gotten the resume. Are you going to send it? And I was like trying to put together. I was like, I have a production resume of like all the shows I've produced and hosted, but like legal, I haven't done that in 15 years full time. But my mom, rest her soul, was like, keep your bar license, continue oh, to pay your dues. Yeah. I just paid my dues every year. She helped like remind me, do that, do that, do that. And I was like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm a producer. I'm on the artistic side. I'm the creative side. So I was, I'm still licensed. And I was doing a lot of legal work, like, you know, business affairs mainly of just negotiating my own contracts and, you know, making sure that like all of our licensing deals were in place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was very still familiar with, you know, all the terminology. So anyway, the next, so I sent my, I cobbled together a resume that night, sent it over to the attorney. The next morning, the executive producer of the show called and wanted to meet with me in her office. And I got the job that day. It was just, it happened so fast. It was just kind of like, I knew that the universe was like, this is where you need to be now. You need to be here and the show needs you there. It was just one of those things, just like energetically um, that came together. And, you know, I wanted to say no, just as like, I know my time, my life is going to be, you know, taken in ways that I, I didn't want to. I wouldn't have as much time to produce conscious living, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I also fell in my, fell to my heart. I was like, I'm supposed to do this. Like, it was just kind of like, I have to do this. It was like, all the guides were like, you must do this now. <laughs> and so, so I took the job and, you know, that was almost three years, almost three years ago. Okay. And the funny thing is that like through doing, you know, this amazing work with this amazing show, this, you know, high you know, production television at the highest, highest level. Right. I've learned so much more that's helped me so much inside of my work with conscious living and just 
helped me to multitask and juggle things so much better. And it actually has supported, um, you know, keeping conscious living going on PBS and the other work and the platforms that we're doing. So somehow I've been able to, to juggle and, and manage both. I mean, of course, Kelly Clarkson is 180 shows per year. It's a daily talk show Monday through Friday. So it's a lot. Um, conscious living is 13 shows per year, right? So it's one season is 13 shows for, Con for Kelly Clarkson, one season is 180 shows. So because there's less time needed, you know, I had more time to, to do other things. And it just, you know, it's just been one of, you know, another wonderful opportunity, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. It's, it's a great crew, great staff. Kelly's amazing. And um, it's, it's, it's a really fun show. Very positive, mindful, inspirational. They, they do a lot of things for the community. You know, it's what conscious living would be, you know what I mean? Yeah. If it were not Kelly Clarkson, right. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, in a, in a way, in a way, in a way, not fully. Yeah. Not fully. No, no, I love that. That's pretty darn close. You know, yeah. I just, I love this Bianca because it, this really, your story is, is such a wonderful story of the universe really just guiding things along and how yes. we don't always know what what life well we never know really the truth yeah. is like we just we don't know, know what life is going to bring and at the end of the day it's all to it's all for our good and for our benefit and we learn a lot yes. and always this is if you're open yes if you're open thank you yes totally <laughs> you just have to say yes sometimes just say yes go with it yes. you know you, you you may be surprised by what's on the other side yeah yeah totally and you never know <laughs> for sure for sure i love this so let me ask you the question that we ask everyone at the end which yes. is what is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? Mm. Well, I would just say that's a great question. Um, I think just struggling with trying to meet, you know, the standards and ideals of, of patriarchy, right? Which are like, you know, one of the books that I asked my husband to read and I recommend to many people is The Second Sex, The Deuxième Sex by Simone de Beauvoir, who was married to Jean-Paul Sartre, the very famous French philosopher and you know it details all the ways that like we as women are the second sex so seeing ourselves as like through the lens of through the gaze of what men want and not being sort of our first cause and so I think the next generation of women it's like empowering yourself to see yourself and be who you're here to be regardless of like you know what it means to you know, what your body looks like or what your face looks like you know, or what your value is to a man or whether or not you have a ring on your finger, right? Or whether you're a size 40 or a size four, like all of these things are kind of like, you know, these standards that we've taken on living inside of patriarchy. And, you know, we women are so powerful. You know, we're the ones that make the, the buying decisions for the households. You know, we're the ones that give birth to new life. Like we have so much power, you know, we're emotional, we're connected, we're intuitive, we're caregivers. Like we have so much to offer in and of ourselves. And I think if we can, as women, you know, begin to see ourselves as independent autonomous beings, as opposed to seeing ourselves through the lens of like our value to a man, right? I think is gonna give, um, you know, men a run for their money because we're not gonna, we're not gonna sort of tolerate the disrespect. We're not gonna tolerate being paid less, we're not going to be you know, tolerated, you know, not getting maternity leave and being paid for maternity leave. Look, look, if men could have babies, trust me, they'd be paid maternity leave. It would be indefinite, right? Yeah. I mean, and all the ways that the female bodies are like compartmentalized, you know, into like the sum of their parts, right? You know, all the ways that we try to enhance ourselves to like 
become overly feminized so that the male gaze can deem us worthy and, and deem us valued and valuable. And then we take those values on and then we project them onto each other, yeah. right? So stripping away that sense of being second to, to the male you know, species, <laughs> theirs, their own species, I think would be you know, something so empowering. And for me, I went to an all girls high school that was so empowering just to like examine myself and be in relationship with myself as my own being, as opposed to vis-a-vis compared to the boys. Yeah. Right? So if, if we can isolate ourselves in, into our little sort of bubble to see our own self-worth, not as a comparison to, um, I think that would give us a chance at, you know, making this, this planet, this world, a more sustainable place, a more just place, right? It's the women that are, you know, coming up with the cures to cancer and they're stopping the pandemic and making choices that are from the heart as opposed from the dollar, you yes. know, and, you know, it's like if we come together and really honor each other for who we are and not through the, the gaze of, you know, how a man comes into the picture and really support each other and not be jealous of each other and really honor each other for the divine goddesses that we are. It's like the world will be a completely different place. Yes. And that, that's what I wish for the next, the next generation to really honor and own who you are as an individual, as, a, as an individual unique human being. Amen, I love that. As a woman, and not just for your reproductive capability, yes. whether <laughs> have babies or not. It's like, who cares? That's not for everybody. You're your own person. So that's what I wish. I love that. And it's so funny. I What just stuck out to me is what you just said, the divine, you said as divine goddesses, those are two of our new shades, our lipstick shades. Are, one's called divine and one's called goddess. <laughs> oh my gosh. So- oh, I love it. I love your lipstick too. I cannot wait Thank to you. try those wonderful earthy goddess colors. Yeah. It's something that we all need more of in our lives. I'm excited for you to try them as well. <laughs> so Bianca, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Oh gosh, we're everywhere. We're on social media uh, at Conscious Living TV on Instagram. We're at Conscious uh, TV on Twitter, Conscious Living TV on Facebook. Send us a note, send us a message. We'd love to hear from our friends and make new friends like you. Um, because, you know, in this time when we're all separated, you know, it's social media, it's the digital realm that's like allowing us to feel like we're, you know, in the same room. You're in New York and I'm in California, but yet we're here together in this place. So right. I love that. Yeah, I love same. That. Love and it. you can also, of course, watch the show on PBS. You can watch it uh, for listings. You can check out our website, consciouslivingtv.com. Uh, there's listings. We're in, you know, 97% of markets on PBS and on the Create channel. You can also stream the show uh, online on the PBS app as well. So find us, love to hear what you think about the show and what you wanna see next season. Awesome, I'm really excited to check it out. I really am, I love these things. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Bianca, for joining me today. It was so wonderful having you. Of course, thank you so much to Shami for having me. It's a great conversation. You've given me lots of food for thought myself about you know, where the world is and, and where we're heading. And thank you so much for doing your part, empowering women and, you know, giving us a, a different view on loving ourselves and feeling beautiful on the inside and out. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 